0: That's join M-I-D-I.com.
1: Next, tonight Michael Brown joins me here. This is the former FEMA director, talk <laughs> show host Michael Brown. Brownie, now Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. The Situation with Michael Brown. You're a political expert on 6:30 KHOW Denver's talk station. Michael, you ended the show yesterday with an explanation for why my efficiency with the shower is the way it is. Well, we have something to say to you. Brownie, my daddy's not a donkey. That's right. And I just got to let you know, my first pitch on that was saying daddy is not a Democrat. And she said, daddy, I think one of those words is a bad word. I can't say that. <laughs> All right, you goofers, here's the rope download that app. If you don't know that app. You probably shouldn't be listening. Make sure you text Mike and leave him a compliment. Hit that little red microphone, leave a talk back. That's where we make fun of Dragon. Follow Brownie Social. Why you do that, I don't know. And make sure you visit michaelsaysgohere.com. Thank you, darling. Oh, and don't forget favorite your two shows. Martinez show and that Tim Conway. <laughs> I was thinking about the um, carjacking of Henry Cuellar in Washington, D.C., and that got me to thinking about all the crime going on around the country, and then that got me to thinking about how much of the crime around the country is being driven by the news media in the sense that is crime really increasing, or does it appear to be increasing? Because much like climate change, we kept getting fed that it is increasing. And then that got me to thinking about if, if it is the, the former, that it really is increasing, then why is it increasing? But why would it not—forget any of the stats for a moment. Why would the news media, the cabal, be interested in pushing a narrative that crime is—I mean, they're not pushing—let the. Let me be clear. They're not pushing the narrative— That crime is increasing in the country, but they are by. um, They can't help themselves. It's in their DNA that when crime occurs, particularly if it if it involves. You know, uh, a, a marital affair, it involves sex, it involves children, it involves, you know, something horrendous, or you know, just hor- uh, a horrific form of murder, or robbery, or like we saw in New York City, just, what, yesterday, yeah, the day before yesterday, where this leftist activist who was out trying to, you know, keep people from using drugs and helping people to get off drugs and everything else, was sitting on a... Bench in, I think it was Br- Brooklyn, and th- the video played numerous, innumerable times, incessantly on national and local news. If you haven't seen it, then you're, you're really not paying attention because you can't, you can't watch probably any news station without this video being played, and, and the last time I heard anybody play it was on the evening news last night and they're describing how you know who this couple is and how they're sitting on this bench uh after an evening out and they're waiting it's a a, like a bus stop bench and this black guy walks by and then they stand up and they start walking the same direction as the black guy but then the black guy turns around and starts to threaten the woman. So the the guy, the lefty, steps in, steps in between the assailant and the potential victim and tries to de-escalate the situation. And, of course, the black guy is back crap crazy or just a thug, whatever it might be. I mean, there, there's a little bit of a story that his parents or somebody that he lives with, his grandmother or somebody, had called the authorities months before because he had been making threatening sounds or noises or whatever but nobody did anything why would you expect him to do anything and then he starts to stab the guy stabs him in the heart and then some as he collapses a a black woman who may have been a friend of the black guy who did the killing walks up and tries to you know apologize apologizes now I want you. At least that's what the news report was. I I couldn't hear the audio. Well, they didn't play any audio. Don't know if there was any audio. But I want you to think about the incongruent, the 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 dissonance in that in that story. And there's one factor that I've not told you that for me having been in Brooklyn and New York, you know, a bazillion times in my lifetime, thought to me, well, why were you doing that? But let's just say boyfriend, girlfriend, acquaintances, uh, a a guy with his baby mama, whatever they're doing, that they're walking the streets of Brooklyn, and he decides to stab a guy in the heart, and then the woman, the baby mama, decides to run up, And apologize. I want to to apologize for what what my my boyfriend just did. Really? Okay, well, never mind. No harm, no foul. I mean, he's dead anyway, so what difference does it make at this point? All of this occurred at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. On the streets of New York City. Even in the good days of New York City's low crime... You would not find me with one other person, let alone by myself, on the streets of any, of any street in New York City at 4 a.m., including Fifth Avenue or Seventh Avenue. I just, just wouldn't do it because there, there just aren't enough cops around. There's not enough other people around. Those streets are fairly quiet at that time of morning, as you can see by that video. So I just wouldn't do that. Well, I was struck by (laughs) this murder in New York. One that seems remarkably random. But I was also... Well, well, let's just finish the story about the New Yorker. The guy's name is Ryan Carson. He's a white social justice activist in New York. All of this was recorded on video. They had been at a wedding. Now, I guess you... You know, I guess it's a different world than I live in, but I guess you party at the wedding until 4 a.m. Carson is the latest victim of the social policies for which he was advocating. He was not killed by a knife or by knife violence or by this thug. He is truly the victim of the social policies. For which the progressive left is pushing. In Philadelphia, an activist and journalist by the name of Josh Kruger was shot and killed by an unknown assailant. Minneapolis, a leftist, defund the police activist, Shivanti Santandandan, or Sant- Santandandan, or however you pronounce his last name was mugged by reality because she was violently carjacked in the driveway of her home by a group of black thugs. And then you get to Monday. And Monday, this thing finally reaches, at least temporarily, a tipping point when Henry Cuellar, a Democrat congressman, uh, let me reemphasize that, a Democrat and a congressman from Texas was accosted by a gunpoint in Washington, D.C., a carjacking by a black street gang. And now we're interested in it. And now we decide to pay attention to it. The pandering Democrats, pandering soft on crime policies, have plagued, these policies have plagued urban poverty plantations with violent crime for decades. That's part of the reason that, again, black Democrats Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson, recently did something really courageous. He switched parties. Switched parties. Crime. James Wilson, one of the founding fathers, in 1790, 1790 said, To prevent crimes is the noblest end and aim of criminal jurisprudence. To punish them is one of the means necessary for the accomplishment of this noble end and aim. If you're not going to punish crime, you can expect more crime. If you're not going to restrict people's movement, i.e., bail... And you're just going to come in, sign a document, and, and, and I, I just, when, when, when you appear like, like I would, if I were to go out and do something like this, I would be dragged in front of a judge, a district court judge, Colorado district court judge. The district attorney would go through a, 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 an elaborate process. Of reading the charges against me. I'd be standing there with, with, with my defense counsel. So Andy and I would be standing there. And they would read the charges against me. They would ask me to enter a plea. I would enter a plea of not guilty because I'd wanna, I would want to challenge, even if I was guilty, if I, even I were guilty of these crimes, I would still want to plead guilty because I want to have a trial. I I want the government to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that I committed these crimes. So we've already spent probably 30 minutes or more inside the courtroom. And then later inside that same courtroom, after that some 30 minutes of going through all the preliminary stuff, now there's going to be an argument about bail. And the district attorney, even though I am well known, even though I am known nationally, some degree internationally, even though I have strong ties, I mean, I'm a freaking morning radio talk show host. I'm a, I'm a nationally syndicated radio talk show host. People, people can, if, if you really work hard, you might be able to figure out where the undisclosed location is. I own property in several states. Uh, you know, I own two cars. I own, I own, a, I own a home in Douglas County, Colorado. Um, I, have a, I have a regular well-paying job. But no, we have to set bail for you. Now, it may not be, depending on what the crime is, it may not be a million-dollar bail, but it's going to be enough of a bail that I'm going to have to kind of dig deep, maybe even borrow a little money to pay the bail bondsman to pay for, because I don't have that much cash just readily available, to pay for a $100,000 bond, which might cost me $10,000. And that's going to take another 30 minutes or maybe even an hour depending on how badly and how much they're asking for and what kind of an argument we make. But the point is I'm trying to paint a picture of you being in a courtroom facing a judge, understanding the magnitude that the state is about to take your freedom away, that they are working to take your freedom away. By proving beyond a reasonable doubt that you have committed a crime. Now, what happens when a thug, like the guy that murdered Ryan Carson, that's the couple on the bench where he gets stabbed in the heart. What happens when that thug, if and when he is caught, now they have video, they know who he is, they know where he works, now they're just looking for him. But what would happen to him, and what signal would it send if he is told to, he's arrested, he's taken to some precinct station in Brooklyn, and he signs some paperwork, and then he walks back out the door? All of, you know, by the time he gets, depending how busy the precinct precinct is, by the time he gets, uh, you know, booked in, fingerprinted, uh, you know, told what he's been charged with, and because there's no bail policies, he just turns around and walks right walks right back out the precinct center. The precinct building. What does that tell all the other thugs? Huh. Nobody cares. It's much like telling illegal aliens as they make their way through the Darien Gap and into Mexico. Oh, by the way, there's a there's a little sidebar here of the the government of Mexico is thinking about starting to bus those who enter Mexico at their southern border just go ahead and bus them up to the another to the uh, southern border of the US just to get them out of, out of our country faster. Yeah. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you turn, there's no accountability, there's no responsibility. There there is nothing that says that you know what You go against the norms of society, because there are no norms of society anymore. You just don't do that. You can just do whatever you please. There are no guardrails. There are no consequences. And you can expect to get more of what you are not, as James Wilson said, that you are not trying to prevent by enforcing and punishing crime. It is beyond belief to me, truly beyond belief, how this society has denigrated, I mean, has just devolved into close to anarchy under the leadership of the Democrat Party at all levels in this country. And if you're a Democrat here in the Colorado Politburo, or you're a Democrat in the Politburo of any other state in this country, or you're a Democrat or a communist member of the city council or a school board or anywhere else, I absolutely say to you F off. Go away. You're destroying the country, and it is on your hands. I just had I I, I I you know what I'm in a good mood this morning I slept well got a little diet coke here I mean I'm sitting in a nice studio well the microphone fell off before I started but I got that fixed but working you know, with a fantastic producer I'm working with a uh, working working with somebody that does something which I haven't quite figured out yet so I, you know I got that at least he leaves me alone I leave him alone you know we we kind of speak to other, each other just I don't know we have to. I want to tell you about another story i want to tell you another story in chattanooga yesterday the family of chris wright said goodbye he was murdered last week and his death is now making national news as was the case in new york this murder was also captured on video which assisted the popo in making a very quick arrest The local police have better than an 80% case closure rate for murders. In Philadelphia and other places, you have a prosecution rate that is not even where near 80%. We're talking about in the teens, sometimes below 10%. In Washington, D.C., I I heard some number that something like 13%. I'm Maybe just pulling that number out of my butt, but it 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 was an astronomically low number. But not in Chattanooga. At least in Chattanooga, the popo there have an 80% case closure rate for murders. Chris Wright, widely known for his kindness and generosity, he wasn't a social justice warrior. He was just simply a husband, father of three kids, the youngest born just a few weeks ago. He was widely known in Chattanooga, was a graduate of Yale, he played football there for four years, became an Ivy League champion in 2006. He got an MBA from the University of Chicago, and then became a successful business partner with a holding company in Chattanooga. He was walking back to his car last Thursday night after meeting with friends ahead of the 20th high school reunion. He was accosted by a black man, and after an altercation, he was murdered. His assailant. Now, you know, stuff. You may wonder, well, okay, Michael, so. Um, We've got all these other places, these big cities, where their prosecution rate is low, their conviction conviction rate is absolutely low, and nobody pays any attention to the record number of carjackings, over 700 in in D.C., until a Democrat congressman gets carjacked, and then people start talking about doing something. So what what is the compare and contrast that you're making? with what happened in Chattanooga. His assailant had a certain amazing number of prior charges.
0: It's true that some things change as we get older, but if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone.
1: I wouldn't walk down the streets of Bed-Stuy at 4 p.m., let alone 4 a.m. <laughs> and again, Bed-Stuy's a little different now than it was back then. Or is it?
0: Some, be and
1: to- Some things never change. What my- Bed-Stuy was, was not one of the neighborhoods that I frequented a lot. But to your point, I'm not sure I would have done it at 4 p.m. On on a, on a sunny day in, in in October, I certainly wouldn't do it today. So let's go back to this Chattanooga killing. Chris Wright, the man who was killed, was killed by a thug who had sixty six prior charges in Chattanooga not from around the country, not from around surrounding counties in Chattanooga or surrounding cities in Tennessee. No, he had 66 priors in Chattanooga, including multiple aggravated assault, aggravated battery, robbery, home invasion convictions. For most of those charges, not all, but for most of them, he got suspended sentences. In other words, We're going to suspend your sentence and we're going to suspend your sentencing hearing until, you know, this is called a deferred prosecution. This is called deferred sentencing sometimes, depending depending on the jurisdiction. We're not going to sentence you to the crime you committed for six months, 12 months, whatever the parole period is. And if you come back and you've been a good boy, well, then you know what? We'll dismiss the charges. Or we'll reduce them or whatever the the plea deal is. But you don't do any jail time. Don't do any jail time. So that's the 23rd murder in, in Chattanooga this year. The mayor, who's a guy by the name of Tim Kelly, is a wealthy white, obviously privileged Democrat. Now... Chris Wright did not match the typical profile of Chattanooga murders, which are, like most major cities, overwhelmingly black on black. In this case, it's black on white. Kelly blamed this murder, as he has others, this is the the mayor, Mayor Tim Kelly. You, you can hear the same thing from Mike Johnston. You can hear the same thing from, from, from Jared Polis. You can hear the same thing from, from any mayor in any major U.S. city or any governor. They're not going to blame the murder on the, on the murderer at all, but instead on gun violence. Gun violence. Quote, this was not gang violence. Well, that may or may not be true. He may have been a member of a gang, and this was part of his deal of remaining a member of a gang, but that's not in any of the news stories. Uh, But it wasn't gang violence in the sense that he acted alone. It wasn't a bunch of gangbangers. Or a mugging, or a robbery. Now, I want you to think about this insane statement. This was not gang violence, or a mugging, or a robbery. It was an isolated Senseless and brazen act of gun violence. Gun violence is taking a serious personal toll on people's lives and hurting Chattanooga's ability to feel safe in our community. Oh. Oh. So it's not the perps. It's not the murderers. It's some euphemism. Some some esoteric some ephemeral some sort of you know pie in the sky you can't really tell me what it is it's gun violence now once you know we have in the abstract for quite some time on this program derided the use of the term gun violence because well we know that the gun itself doesn't do anything it's the person who commits the crime but we really we really haven't thought much though about why do they continue even in a place like chattanooga to shift it away from the individual to the weapon why is it that we suddenly it's not that it's not the perp it's not the thug, it's not the individual, it's something that we want to call gun violence. Now, I know, hang on, don't get ahead of me. I know that part of the reason for that is because they want to take away your guns. You know, that th- there, there was a point where I didn't want to use that phrase because I thought it'd become too trite. But it is a factual statement. They want to take your guns away. So we know that. So let's put that on the shelf for a moment, all right? Because if this was gang violence or a mugging or a robbery, the mayor in Chattanooga, this woke Democrat, would still have blamed it on gun violence. So I want us to think for a moment about gun violence and why. Again, Language matters. So why do we no longer say that guy, that murderer, that thug, for whatever reason, and we can a- analyze the reasons till the cows come home, why did that guy commit that crime? Gee, we don't want to talk about that. Don't want to talk about that. Because that means we have to talk about the failure, the utter failure of society as a whole. We have to talk about the broader implications of a social welfare system that just basically supports unemployed youth of any race. doesn't make any difference to me. Of any race to have no meaning in their life. Nothing that they have to get up and do every day. Nothing productive that they have to do. Except try to find meaning and belonging and a purpose elsewhere, and they find it in gangs. And we are perpetrating that, and we're perpetrating it by saying that, oh, this is a result of gun violence, which is, that, that's like saying, this is a stupid analogy, but this the first thing that came to my mind. That's like saying that the icing on a cake is the totality of the cake. No. You, you can eat icing. You can, you can buy icing in a tube and eat that. And you can bake a cake. But it's only when you put the two together do you really have what you, can, you and I consider to be a real cake. It's the totality of everything. And we don't want to talk about that when it comes to these murderers, to this crime wave. that forces us to look at the and i would say and i want us to be again language is important we want to say that it's the failure of those policies it's not the failure of those policies it is sometimes the unintended consequences of those policies but i would say that most of the time it is the intended policies intended consequences of those policies Because when you look at the ideology of the Democrat Party today, it is a party of Marxism and communism and socialism. And in order to get to their utopia, this goes back to Cloward and Piven, you have to overwhelm the system. And violence is one of those things that if you overwhelm a society... People naturally begin to clamor for clampdowns, whatever it takes, we are playing into the hands of that very movement. You see, gun violence is really a euphemism for cultural violence, which is the actual underlying problem. The Democrat mayors across the nation, with the exception of the mayor of Dallas, who said, you know what, This these poly, you know, God bless him, who realized he saw the light. The Democrat mayors across this country don't want to touch the politically inconvenient truth that a grossly disproportionate amount of that violence is the direct result of a Democrat-induced culture of violence spawned primarily by generations of failed social policies. No, let me rephrase that. It is the direct result of Democrat-induced culture of violence that is spawned primarily by generations of the Democrats' social policies. They have not failed. They have accomplished precisely what they were wanting to accomplish. You know, the the, the common denominator, that everybody's afraid to talk about is connecting almost all violent offenders is that they grew up in homes with absent or ineffectual fathers. I told you I had a business meeting downtown, Denver, last week. I think it was I think it was yeah, it was Friday, last Friday. And I got there early, parked in the 16th Street garage, and decided to take a little tour. One of the things that fascinated me, now this has always been true, but I'm much more cognizant of it today. One of the things that fascinated me was something that I saw that in many cases I wasn't sure whether my theory was correct or not. And in other cases, there was no doubt that my theory was correct. I saw people doing something. And those people that were doing that something are the direct result, they're being able to do that something, is the direct result of Democrat policies. What is that? That's next. The part about this story, to me is that these people are so soft on crime and pro-criminal that the girl would not give police a description of the guy who murdered her boyfriend. Have a good day. So when I was in Denver on Friday and walking the 16th Street Mall and around the... um, uh, convention center the denver center for the performing arts walking all around in that area now i i i i i want to emphasize that just like yesterday i'm 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 walking the leon burgers uh after the program yesterday and i'm walking through a park and there's a couple approaching me and i always try to step aside because the leon burgers tend to take up the entire sidewalk I try to step aside but I noticed that it, it's a man and a woman, both in the, I would guess, in their early 40s. And it's, it's a gorgeous fall day in Colorado. The sun is out, the temperature's wonderful, there's a slight breeze, and he's wearing the freaking baby blue mask. And my first thought under my breath was, why are you wearing a stupid mask? Outside, I mean, I, I literally said it under my breath as they approached. Didn't want him, I didn't want them to hear them, but that's what I was thinking. And then I tried to be, okay, Mike, don't be a jerk. Be a nice guy. Maybe there's a particular reason, even though, you know, and maybe he's just ignorant that that mask doesn't do anything, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm trying to rationalize it in my mind. Well, the same thing happened to me when I was in downtown Denver. Because here's what I see. I see a lot of... 20-somethings, and 30-somethings aimlessly wandering the streets with no particular... It's not as if they are walking to get from point A to point B. You know, I'm walking at a fairly rapid, you know, not rapid, but maybe a, a, a quick pace because... I'm just trying to walk around and see as much as I can, even though I'm early, so that I can time, you know, I go far enough away so that I know that when I turn back and come back toward the restaurant, I'll be at the restaurant at the appropriate time. So I'm walking with a purpose. And I know that the 16th Street Mall is a place for people to go to lollygag around. So many people are just lollygagging around, although there's, I don't know why you would do it, because there's not a damn thing on the 16th Street Mall anymore. Thank you, Democrats. It's a sucky place. But then when I get off the mall, I notice exactly the same thing. People who have no purpose, people, and you can tell by the look in their eyes you can tell by the body language you can tell by everything that they have no visible means of support and they have no purpose other than i'm going to go down here and maybe i'll panhandle a little bit maybe i'll just walk around you know and, and i started looking i mean this is just me but i start looking do i see the imprint of a weapon on them anywhere do I see a, a concealed carry weapon anyway? Because you if you if you if you know how to properly conceal carry, you can most of the time keep that imprint from appearing on your jeans or your waist or anything or your ankle, whatever. But but if you don't, you can see it. If you're just a thug that's gonna put it in the back of your pants, you know what? You can see that gun. And I saw a few. And I thought, what, what 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 are these people doing? Well, these are the result of an intended policy that says we'll give you just enough food to survive and just a money you know enough money to pay your rent or to live in some so called affordable housing, and you know you have you don't have to do anything else in your life. That is a breeding ground. That is a Petri dish for crime. And that's what we are brewing in our society. And the stove's been turned up enough that we're just a little bit on the high heat, and and the crime is just, is absolutely getting out of control. I don't know what the answer is. obviously you have to learn to defend yourself and obviously you have to elect different people but it's not going to be overturned overnight but this is a warning, an absolute warning that cities all across this country and, and small towns are turning into crime infested crap hole places directly because of democrat policies don't doubt me on that Whatsoever.